0: Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, Jeff. Hey. Hey. We've got Data Traveler 2000s to give away. Oh. Data Traveler 2000. It sounds like a, like a really good book out of the 80s or something. <laughs> yes, it does. DT2000. It's coming your way. <laughs> we've, got, cool. uh, yeah, we've got another one. We're going to be telling you how you can win one of these. It's a USB flash drive that is encrypted with hardware encryption, and you can only decrypt it with a passcode that you set. Also, this week, uh, we, well, it's March break. Yep. Thinking about family. You're thinking about our family and uh, keeping them safe online. Right. Uh, so we're going to be looking at how we can build our very own internet filtering device that's going to block some of those things that we don't necessarily want on our networks. Now, we're th- we're coming at it as the from the approach of two dads of young kids. Yeah. Uh, but this will work really, really great in an office environment as well. If you yeah, want to block sure. stuff from coming up on corporate computers, sure, why not? We're going to do it using an XU. U4, So, a single board computer, but it'll work on any single board computer you can throw at it, and it's absolutely free. Just get the hardware and you're good to go. So, uh, we're going to show you how to do that. Stick around.
1: This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs.
0: Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players for local showtimes. Visit our website, category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here
1: cat5.tv slash TPN, and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB.
0: Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Nice to see you. This is episode number 599. Uh, I know, it's exciting. 599? What? Crazy. Wow. How you been, my man? Uh, good. Yeah, be good. It's uh, it's good. March break here. So, yes, it is. You know, yeah. the um, kids are having a blast. They are. But he's off school. We still have to work for some crazy reason.
1: Yeah, I got to pay the bills.
0: Yeah, so. I guess that's what it is. But yeah. uh, we're good. Yeah, good. yeah, good, good. Glad to yeah. hear it, Sash. Uh, I'm well. I'm doing great. The kids uh, return home from Grandma and Grandpa's today, so nice. looking forward to seeing them. It's been a few days, so Excellent. but I took the opportunity to take my wife out to a nice dinner and all well done. Yeah, yeah, it well was uh, it was very nice. So. so I noticed that Sasha's not here. Sasha's not here. I was just about to say Sasha is in Whistler, BC. Yeah. So if you are in Whistler, B.C., well, uh, just look at the mountain, and if you see uh, a girl coming down the, the hill on her butt, just might That's be Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> just might be <laughs> Sasha. I hear she's doing pretty good. Yeah. So, actually, I believe she's even <clears throat> in the chat room. I saw her oh, pop in there for a little bit oh, Well, I take it back then. Okay. Oh yeah, no she's do- she's doing great. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> pro by now, a pro by now. Although I would expect uh, oh and she is in the chat room. She says it's awesome here. Hey, yeah. Uh. Um, I would expect that um, being in Whistler, like the uh, basically the capital of snowboarding for for Canada. Yes. Yep. You're going to have some pretty major hills, some pretty amazing well, they're, they're mountains. mountains. So they've mountains. got a little bit of height. We'll call it a hill. <laughs> So yeah. that would be above my uh, capabilities, that's for sure. See,
1: I I just don't have the money to get out there. Oh, yeah? So, you know, kids really kind of get in the way of, you know...
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, folks say, like, you know, my kids say, well, how come we haven't been to Disney World? Because <laughs> there's three of you that's and right. two of us. Yeah. Um, speaking of my capabilities, today at work, I was asked, would you be willing to, uh, or uh, capable of... Uh, soldering this this circuit board for us. Nice. Yes. And, and I said no. <laughs> um, it, was, um, it was surface mount um, circuitry. And it was a very, very small chip. And I feel confident that maybe I'm about there that I could desolder that chip and move it to the other board and re-solder right. it on. I do have flux now, and I understand why I have flux, which is really important. It um, was a good episode. However, I said you know what? Maybe six months plus. Come back to me with that same question. Yeah. And I said, "Don't. This is not a blanket response. I'm not saying no. I can never do this. I'm right. saying right now, I think it's best that yeah. we hire the pros, to, to take it into the to the folks that do soldering right. day in day out, and let them do it. If it was through hole, I'd, I'd feel a lot more confident now. I'm yeah. doing fairly well with through hole soldering. I mean, I say fairly well. I'm doing well." It's it's working out better than me. I haven't destroyed anything lately. Well, that's good. And the that's things the things that I solder are working, and uh, and that's good. Perfect. That's good. Excellent. Although I'm I'm excited to find that there are a lot of SBC manufacturers out there that you can send them your, your diagrams, your yeah. your CAD files, and they will actually print and solder your, your SBCs for you. Really? Not your SBCs. Uh, your your uh, your your PCBs. Oh. SBC PCB. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I would not have known that. Yeah. So uh, you can actually, so this is something that I'm going to be doing on a future show. I'm, I'm in the process of creating my own PCBs in CAD. Mm-hmm. I'm learning it. It's really new to me. So it's taking the project from the circuit, uh, from the prototype, right. which is on a, a breadboard, and then transitioning it into CAD and then sending it away to have it manufactured professionally. And it's like that just puts my soldering capabilities to shame. Because they like they use machines to etch the board, right? Like professional manufacturing process. But it's really affordable. Really? I'm shocked. There are companies that will do it for two dollars. So yeah. So I can create and design a circuit board and they will actually print it and and create it for me for two bucks. Hmm. Now there's power in in bulk ordering. Like you order if you order ten of them you're gonna save on shipping. I think it's like sixteen bucks to ship. So, you know, your first board is gonna be eighteen bucks if you're if you're not (laughs) if you're not paying attention. But hey, maybe if I get it right the first time and and figure out how to work the CAD stuff, then I can order ten of them at the same time. That would be neat.
1: Wow. So that's
0: something you're going to find uh, on Category 5 TV maybe in the next year. Exciting. Have you done that? Have, has anyone in the community ever tried that or, or gotten into that kind of thing? I, I think that's kind of the next nope. the next phase for me. I, I wouldn't feel confident doing some of the really fine surface mount stuff. Yeah. Or the double, double-sided, stuff. double-layered boards like that's just that's beyond me See,
1: i think of like those little pills that you can swallow that like does all the diagnostics in your
0: system and i'm thinking this is not a real thing jeff
1: no, no there's there's pills that you can that they will uh, a diagnostic pill yeah for uh, your digestive track a little camera and stuff and i'm thinking somebody had to make that that's crazy
0: yeah i am not familiar with this technology other than yeah, in the movies it came
1: out in the, like the last year and a half or something like yeah.
0: that. yeah yeah it's pretty cool amazing if real yeah, but very Amazing. small. If real. I would not want to solder that. Yeah. Uh, A quick check-in on our BitTorrent seed server from a couple weeks back. Uh, Looks like we are now seeding all 11 seasons of Category 5 Technology TV. In addition to that, also NEMS Linux. Mm -hmm. We're seeding that, including the new QCow 2 virtual appliance, plus the VHD and the OVA. Um, So those are all being seeded from our seed server that we created just a couple weeks back. Now, if you're interested in building your own seed server, on an Odroid HC-1. It looks like this. That's all there is to it. All you have to do is go back to our episode of Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 597. We walk you through the steps in order to create that, and we're doing a lot of really exciting things with those boards. Mm-hmm. Um, the HC1 in particular is a lot of fun because you can do a lot with that little home server, and it just kind of is something you can stick in a back room with a, an Ethernet cable, and it can be a torrent server or whatever else. Yep. Uh, and tonight we're learning to turn an XU4, which is what is at the heart of an HC1. That's right. We're going to learn how to turn it into to a home DNS server as well, so that we can block um, content that we don't want to be on our home networks. Uh, before we jump into it today, though, uh, make sure you do subscribe to our YouTube channel um, and also click that bell in order to receive notifications whenever we post anything new. Jeff mentioned before the show that he got a notification I from YouTube. We what live. did it say? It we're live, live. and good. we're here, and it was really trippy. It's like Category Five's live, and he's like, "Oh, I better look up." Exactly. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's jump right into it. Okay. Uh, we are looking at the XU4 today, yes. and we have looked at the XU4 in the past. You and I have looked at it. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of fun stuff. We've, fun. we've built it into a, a, a big chassis. We've done all that kind of stuff, but this week we're, we're working with just the board, just that board. Okay. But the first thing I want to do with the XU4 from Odroid is I want to determine what type of media I'm going to use. Okay. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to create a DNS server, which is using a software called Pi-Hole, P-I-H-O-L-E. All right. It sounds obscene, but it's not. It's actually a, uh, a, a black hole for DNS entries that you want to block, that you can place on your own network. And the okay. Pi aspect is, it was really designed for the Raspberry Pi. Right. But we're going to learn how to install it on a completely different system, and why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't I just go with a Raspberry Pi, Jeff? Any, any guesses? Well, quad core, maybe. Because the Raspberry Pi is only quad core. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you got with the... With the the XU4 is eight cores, eight cores. That's right. Sure. But a DNS server doesn't really need a whole lot of processing power. Um, uh, if, consider this. We're, we're looking at... This is not a proxy. Okay. This is a DNS server. Right. Those who understand what that means know that what I'm saying is is that traffic is not going to flow through this device. So the gigabit Ethernet capabilities capabilities of the XU4, while beneficial and will actually speed things up, it's not really the selling point versus the 10 over 100 of the Raspberry Pi, but definitely a good upgrade. It's going to impact performance. But because we're not passing through data, we're just requesting DNS Mm -hmm. information.
1: Trying to remember all the... Is, does it have to do with, like, the specs of the Odroid?
0: It, it does. It has to do with what... I, I mentioned it right at the top here. We have to determine what kind of storage we're going to use. Right. Okay. That was a hint. Right. Totally missed that one. Raspberry Pi is limited to uh, a, a pretty slow micro SD card slot. Okay? Yep. So SD cards, as you know, while fantastic and they're getting bigger and they're getting better, they are... Comparably unreliable when you compare them to SSD storage or EMMC storage and those other types of storage mediums. Right. And in this
1: case, yours is hooked up to an SSD.
0: Well, the HC1 is. We're not using an HC1 today. Although this could. Right, we're just looking at the board. I think it's an an important fact to say we could do this on an HC1. Mm -hmm. We could do this on a Raspberry Pi. We're choosing to do this on an Odroid XU4 we could do this on pretty much any of the pine 64 boards i mean we could and they also have that advantage but what i'm looking for out of the x u4 this week um is that emmc capability i'm going to be able to use an actual emmc storage card instead of sd so i've got that ultra reliability plus the performance boost that that provides Uh, Pine 64 boards, they also offer the EMMC capabilities. So uh, this is not something that you have to use an XU4 for. It just happens to be what we are demoing tonight. But everything that we're going to learn here can be done on an XU4. On any of the Pine 64 boards, on uh, an Asus Tinkerboard, on a Raspberry Pi. It, this is where we're at with single board computers. I love We can just, love it. you can use whatever, but we're looking at it and saying, okay, we want EMMC. So what are we going to, that just rules out Raspberry Pi. Yep. Okay, because we want reliable storage. Why does it matter? This device is going to become our DNS server for our network. Be it for home or for your office, we want to block things that are not wanted within our network. That is advertisements. Okay, yep. I'm going to circle back to that because this is going to have a performance performance boost on our network as well, but also pornography and things like that. Things that we want to block from our office network or you and I are parents. We're parents of young kids. Uh, We're really thinking about it with March break and the kids are home and they're on the computers a lot. And so it's like, it's something that we really want to protect our kids from. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, that's, that's as simple as it is. So, But in an office network, in a home network, these are all good things as well. So right. we're going to do that with these devices. But we need them to be ultra-reliable because if it ever goes down, we're going to have the perception that our Internet is down. Oh, okay. okay. All a, right. a DNS server is what resolves domain names. Right. DNS is domain name server. So when I type google.com, It first goes to a DNS server and says, what IP address should I be routing your traffic to? And then it goes out to the Google server via the IP address. Mm -hmm. Now, if my DNS server is down, I'm going to type google.com and it's going to say, I don't know where to go. Page not found. Right. Okay. So we need it to be ultra reliable. That's why we're staying away from the Raspberry Pi. And instead, we're going with EMMC storage. So again, Pine64, Odroid XU4s, any of those kinds of boards that support the EMMC card. It's going to be a lot more reliable and therefore much better suited for something like what we're right. doing here today. Yep. Which is mission critical for my network. I don't want people calling me up at, while I'm at work and saying, you know, my wife or my kids saying, Internet's down. Oh, no, it's not. The, the Raspberry Pi has, has, has gone. gone offline yeah. or something like that like that or the SD card is corrupted, and that's why
1: you need NEMS to let you
0: know it would let me know NemsLinux.com. <laughs> there you go all right so <clears throat> I'm just going to jump over here where we've got that um XU4 and let's let's get to it so you you know how an SD card works Jeff yes um obviously the SD card just kind of plugs into the side there right next to the HDMI that is an option on the XU4 uh, however, as I mentioned, we want to use the eMMC, but it's not accessible in this case. Um, so I actually leave the screws out of these cases. Uh, I'm not really keen on it because I like to be able to access my eMMC. Um, so I actually just kind of unsnap it, and then I've got access. Oh, by the way, this is the real-time clock that I mentioned on episode number 598. Uh, that's the battery for the real-time clock. So that's a little accessory that you can buy for 6 bucks, um, and that will keep your time. There's the eMMC port, Jeff. Yep that's where I'm going to plug in my quote-unquote hard drive, all right? So an eMMC, um, it, it kind of looks like an SD card, but it, goes, it snaps onto this USB reader, which I use to flash it the same way I do with a, uh, an SD card. But it's not an SD card. It has this connector on the bottom, and that's going to connect it directly to the Odroid XU4 or whatever other eMMC-capable SBC that you're using. And it's as simple as that. So that's the hard drive. Wow, The only other thing with the XU4 that I need to make sure is, see the switch here? Yep. This determines what your boot device is. So you can see it's, it's either SD or EMMC. Make sure that you select that. Otherwise, it's not going to boot because we don't have an SD card in. Uh, and there's the SD card slot right above there as well. So that's really all there is to, to do in that. Now, I should mention I've already pre-installed. You saw me take this off of the USB um, adapter. I've already pre-imaged using Etcher um, Maverick's Debian Stretch, cat5.tv slash MEV. It's a free download, and that is the Debian Stretch install that I prefer for my Odroid device. Okay. So we'll bring that over here and plug it in right here at the desk. Let's jump back over on the camera, and that's all there is to it. So I've got Ethernet and power. Jeff, that's all we need. That's right, yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah, because the hardware is
0: already in it. Yeah, I've already uh, flashed. So remember, that's the first step. I need to flash Maverick's um, Debian image. So it is just a base Debian install, Debian Linux on a little device like that. That w- who can't fit that on on their network? Exactly. Right? It's got gigabit Ethernet. It's got uh, a. Uh, power uh, adapter that uses a barrel plug. It does have USB 3 and everything else that you would expect. Um, and this particular one, this is the Odroid XU4Q, right. which is the quiet model. Q stands for quiet. Um, and that's the one with the heatsink rather than a fan, which right. is just one less thing to fail. Yes, I'm yeah. all for let's just, let's rule out the ability for things to fail. Yes. Let's make it reliable. I like that. And these things are fantastic. Um, okay, so I'm going to, um, first of all, you need to determine the IP address now that it's booted. Uh, presumably it is booted. It's connected to Ethernet and everything is lit up. Right. I do that by, because it starts up as DHCP. If you go into your router, look at the DHCP pool, and you're going to see one called Debian Stretch. And that is oh, okay. my Odroid. Because right. I've booted it with Debian Stretch, and right. that's that's what it's called on there. So I'm going to jump over to my computer here. I have do uh, do do do. There we go. I've got a nice little close-up window, and I've connected to my Odroid XU4. Uh, so I'm at 10.0.0.144. First thing I want to do is I want to type date. I see that it is March 13th, and the time is correct, and uh, so that tells me that the real-time clock is holding its own, it's still set from the last time I booted it, right. and I don't have to reset anything. But that's an important step. You have to do that first, make sure that your data is correct, because if it's wrong, you're not going to be able to install anything, because all of your SSL certificates are going to fail, because the date and time are going to... N- not match up with the SSL certificates. So I'll jump back to that window here. So next step is apt-update. This is going to download all the repository information. Just make sure that everything is up to date. Make sure that your computer, your XU4, knows what packages are available to it. Now apt-upgrade is going to upgrade the underlying distribution. Mine says that it's already upgraded. And then apt-dist-upgrade We'll make sure if there's any new kernel or anything like that, it's going to download and install that for me. If you received a new kernel and things like that, make sure you reboot next. Uh, just type reboot because I'm logged in as root. Uh, remember, with Maverick's image, the username to log in via SSH is root, and the password is all lowercase odroid. That's out it's of the box. Remember. You can change that. All right, so let's uh, let's get right into it. So this is uh, this is just a... Debian Stretch, it's running four point one four, um, and I want to turn this into what they call a pie hole. Okay. Again, it's a DNS black hole, so that when we request Google.com, it's going to respond, right? Rather than my ISP's DNS server. Right. So if if I'm visiting a website and it has something that I have personally said I'm object objecting to that, like an advertisement, it will block that. Okay. But but not by traditional means, but by saying, page not found. Right. Ad not found. Right. So think about that for a second, what that does for your network. So this has an adverse effect. Okay. If we block all advertisements at the DNS level, whenever I bring up a website that is ad heavy and it goes to download all of those ads, a traditional ad blocker will still download all those ads, but then will stop them from displaying. Correct. A DNS um, system like this, instead, will simply say, ad not found. add not found, it never downloads it. Does that work only for... Websites, or does that work for ads that are processed
1: through your network on other devices?
0: Other devices in apps. If you've got okay. a- app uh, apps that are heavy on ads, things like that, um, it will block those because it's blocking them at the DNS level. Right. So that app is going out to the to the web and resolving to sites that serve up these advertisements, and then blocks them before they actually download. So the adverse effect that that creates is that your internet is perceptively. Faster, because you will be amazed at how much ads and tracking are happening on World. the internet. It really is a ton And I, this is a double-edged sword because we are ad revenue supported Right. and so what I'm about to show you is potentially going to cut out our ad revenue. Is there a way to allow certain ad streams?: Yeah. However, where does the ad revenue come from? Category5.tv. You can whitelist our website, Category5.tv. Ad revenue isn't generated there. Right. Ad revenue is generated by Media.net, by Google right. AdSense, those things. So you're blocking Google, Google AdSense, not category Five TV. So even if you whitelist us, you're still not going to see ads on our site. Right. Because we're not the ones who are hosting the ads. That's true. Yeah. So, so as I say, a double-edged sword... Consider that as you as you make this change on your network, but I think that um, you know there are you know hopefully other ways to monetize. More Patreon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. All right, so let's get uh, let's get to the next step. So we need to actually install Pi Hole. So first thing I want to show you, this is not a step that you need to take, but I do want to show you what this is. I'm going to go to installpy holenet It's going to redirect to an installer script that's hosted on GitHub. I don't ever need to see this. I just wanted to show you that. Huh? This this resolves to the installer, so we know that install pi-hole.net takes resolves to the installer script. Right. With that knowledge armed with that knowledge, we can now grab that script. So let's do that. Let's type WGET-O for output to this file name, and I'm going to save it to slash temp, slash, call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it install.sh, and then I go HTTPS colon slash slash. That's why our date and time are very important, because I'm connecting to a secure server. If I didn't have my correct date and time, it's going to give me an error. Uh, Install.py-hole.net. And now it's downloaded a file called slash TMP slash install. So if I open that file, it is that script that we were just looking at in our browser. So I want to create, I want to make that so it's executable. CH uh, mod plus X install dot SH. So now it's executable. I am in the temp folder, but you can type slash TMP slash install dot SH. Here in uh, in the slash temp folder, I can just type Dot slash install dot sh. And now, as root, I'm going to run that, and it's going to take me through the install- installation steps for PyHole on this bare- bare-bones Debian stretch system. And I say bare-bones because you really want this to be a pure vanilla Debian install, Why is that? The reason for that, Jeff, is because if you've been using... Like someone will say, well, why can't I install this on NEMS? Or why can't I install this just on my computer? Well, your computer and and these kinds of things, they already have DNS stuff installed and and DNS routes set up. So if you try to install them, you're going to be removing packages that are possibly critical to your OS or other applications. um, And you're going to be... you're going to be possibly damaging the install. Start with a vanilla install, uh, and then we know it's going to work. So, the installer will transform your device into a network-wide ad blocker. Okay. The Pi Hole is free, but powered by your donations. Visit pi-hole.net slash donate in order to contribute to this particular product. The Pi Hole is a server, so it needs a static IP address to function correctly. Keep this in mind. Now we know that we are .144 on my network because it was given out by DHCP. So it's going to detect that and it's going to automatically configure that. Um, okay, this is interesting. Where do you want to get your upstream DNS from? So this means where will the Pi Hole get the actual DNS information from? Do you want it oh, from okay. Google? Where do you want it? And so it, it comes with a bunch of options here. The interesting thing about this, Jeff, is I can choose OpenDNS. Okay. And with OpenDNS, it has other filters that I can add to my DNS. So it can supplement my pie hole in order to... I hate using that term. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your pie hole there, Robbie. Um, by selecting OpenDNS, I can actually go to OpenDNS. Uh, um, let's see. OpenDNS. I want to say .org. Let's just be sure. OpenDNS.org. Yeah. So you can actually log into to this site. It's a free service. And then you can do things like blocking gambling sites. Doing, right. So it can actually supplement the device that we're creating okay. it can it can help to make it even stronger so i will in fact choose open dns because that will be a fail safe for me pihole relies on third party lists in order to block ads notice that the terminology with pihole is all about ads we talked about well we can also block things like pornography we're going to show you how to do that using the same system but out of the box it is strictly an ad blocker right so you don't have to block pornography but we're going to show you how to do that at its base it's just going to block ads for you just like i've already described i want to subscribe to all of these lists that's fantastic i'm going to hit tab and okay enter uh, it, we're going to block ads on both ipv4 and ipv6 enter and And it is saying, do you want to use your current network settings as a static address? So it's actually going to take what the DHCP server gave it, 10.0.0.144, and set that as a static address. Now, my router hopefully is smart enough to know that that address is already taken. Don't assign another device to that IP address. (laughs) If this device is turned off for any any amount of time, because 144 is obviously within my DHCP pool, which means my router might give that address to another computer Mm -hmm. so you want to make sure that this is either always on or set up what's called a reservation in your router that's the safest bet Uh, but in this case i'm going to say yes let's use it and it's actually giving you that same warning read the warning Okay. Do you wish to install the web admin interface? On. Yeah. I want to be able to admin this thing. Do you wish to install the web server? Yeah. I want to be able to actually get to my admin interface. Do you want to log queries? Yeah. I want to log it. I want to know what's going on in my network. You may not need to, but maybe you just want to block it and not log it. That's fine, too. We're using EMMC, so we're not afraid to write things to the disk. Right. Uh, Show everything? hide the domains whatever you know you make the the choice based on your needs uh as as dads of young kids our needs may be a little bit different we want to know hey kids what are you doing on that site right now you set it for show everything so nothing's being blocked no 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 show everything in the logs oh in the logs. so this is a privacy thing this is like do i want privacy within the logs Oh, Keep in gotcha. mind, this is my server. Only I have access to this. My wife has access to this. If I, you know, I'm going to hook her up with access to it, of course. Um, in a network of, of an office environment, only those who are in the IT department have access to logging in. Mm-hmm. That's that web interface. Okay. Um, how verbose are the logs? This will show like what computer was accessing what website, because I've left it as show everything. It's going through. It's installing PHP. I really don't have to think about it. It's just doing its thing. It's going and going. Hmm. And when we come back from a really quick break, we're going to be able to actually take a look at this. We're going to set it up in our router so that this becomes our only DNS server for our entire network. And we're going to learn how to use this to block pornography as well. It's optional, but we're going to learn how to do it. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back everybody. Before the break we learned to turn an Odroid XU4 or any single board computer for that matter into an ad blocking system using software called <coughs> Piehole. Piehole. Hole. Makes sense. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it's clever in a way. Yeah. It's clever in a way. Now while the commercial was rolling there, um, we had this pop-up. Oh, it's done. Oh. Make it so. It says, configure your devices to use the pihole Hole as their DNS server using ten zero zero one four four. That's my IP address for the Pi Hole device. Now. Right. Okay. So there's something very very important on this screen. I want you to observe. It's Robbie's DNS server password. Okay. I'm going to write this down. It's a capital W, the number eight, RPC two. Well, that's easy. Dash three. Dash three. That's the admin web page login password. It says I can actually access that by going to 10.0.0.144 slash admin. Now, I have a question
1: about that. Yeah. I know it's your home network IP, but it's mm-hmm. not listed
0: as an HTTPS. Is, is there an issue with that? No, um, because it's internal. It's ne- so this you're not accessing this from outside. Okay. All right. HTTPS signifies that it is an encrypted connection. Right. So. But it, it's only an
1: internal. It's not something like, you know, you're at work and
0: you you're know. not you're not logging into okay. it from work.
1: All right. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, you could use HTTPS, but then it's going to be a self-signed certificate, which then leads to people saying, "Well, why am I getting warned that this is not a trusted right. certificate? Yeah. Well, because it's enough. self-signed. So keep this internal. You don't want your DNS server outside unless you wanted to share it but you don't need the administrator interface on port 80 that's true port 80 is the administrator interface don't open that up to the web uh but you could share your dns settings dns server settings with like family members allow them to use your dns ip address that's Mm -hmm. that's not for this discussion. Yeah, that's, a, that's a whole other That could be done. But no, there's no concern there, Jeff. Okay. Um, so it's done. It says it's installation complete. See in the red at the top there? So let's zoom out a little bit and let's actually visit that IP address. So 10.0.0.144 10.0.0.144 slash admin Here we are, Jeff! We're in! Let's log in. Alright, it's asking me for my amazing password which is w. 8, RPC 2-3. Remember me for seven days, please. I don't (laughs) want to have to enter that every single time. All right, I'm in. So we can see that this is up and running. We're good to go. We don't need to memorize it. Um, There we go. Nice. We can see graphs. We can see what is permitted, what is getting blocked, and everything else. Nothing is currently being blocked, but there are 112,381 websites that are currently on the block list that means that those ads will be blocked right so let's go to I feel like that's
1: a low number though
0: it's pretty huge when you consider like these are the ad servers
1: i would have thought there would have been more though
0: it's like you, how, c- you could just block Google online. AdWords and you've basically just cut 90% of the ads out of all of the Internet. That's true. Really? Yeah. Realistically, yeah, right? Um, Microsoft's media.net is another one. Um, so those are all part of it. Let's, let's go to something like speedtest.net. I want you to see this. Here's a great site that is a good example. <laughs> Of a site that see how long that took to load. Oh my
1: goodness! And
0: look at all right? the ads. Look at all the ads, right? So that's a, a, a site that has a lot of ads, but it's a service that we all right. like to frequent. Well, but why didn't it get blocked? I've got a pie Hole all set up. Did you not activate it? Well, no, it's active. It's running. It's up and going. You can see on the screen if we look up at the top right, uh, top left here, active. Right? Oh, is this because you didn't set your router to make it your DNS? I didn't set my DNS. There you go. So on my Windows machine here, I can actually go into my terminal, CMD. On Linux, go into your terminal and type IP space A. On Windows, it's ipconfig slash all. And I get all my IP addresses here. And if I find my NIC, I can see that the DNS servers that I'm using are Google. Those are Google's DNS servers. So they're completely—it's completely avoiding my pie hole entirely. Right. Okay. It doesn't even know that that exists as a DNS server. Okay. So let's let's make that change. I'm going to actually bring up my router. Why would I do this? Because it's your router and
1: everything goes through it.
0: Everything goes through it, Jeff. Would you okay. want? Would you want to go to every computer and change the DNS settings? Oh, are you kidding? Or to no. every phone or every tablet that I ever connects to your network? Various internet-connected devices at home, and and, and an, an ever-flow. Uh, <laughs> like the kids bring <laughs> home friends and connect to your Wi-Fi, yes. and whatever, right? But so by setting it on the router, this is the endpoint that goes out to the internet. So right. anything, and it. Oh, here's the other thing. It's what serves up your DHCP, your right. IP address, and your DNS information to all of your computers. Right. So by changing it on the router, as soon as the device connects, it gets the DNS information from the router. So let's set it on the router so that it is for all of our network. Kay. So for me, it's DDWRT. Uh, for you, it may be different. It depends on what device you're using and... Uh, and It's going to be different for every device. But here on my setup screen, I'm trying to get this centered for you, folks. There we go. Um, I see static DNS, and what is it? Google. 8.8.8.8. So I'm going to change this. 10.0.0.144 and get rid of my secondary... So I need to set that to 0.0.0.0, and it allows tertiary as well. I just want the one DNS server. So now all of the DNS is going to pass through Okay. I'm going to save that record to my router. Here we go. Now, it's important to know that my computer is already connected. It's already got its IP address. So it already knows it's DNS records. It's going right. to take some time for that to flush. It's going to take some time for it to re- get the new information. Mm-hmm. So y- you can reboot all your computers, re- restart all your devices, and it will probably come good. But some of them cache things. Right. So this change is not instantaneous on the entire network. No, this is something that, okay, now it's set. Now, everything here forward is going to be connecting through this device. It's going to be using it for its DNS. Let's see if I can just simply, I don't know if I can, maybe I can just restart my network connectivity. I'm going to turn off my Wi-Fi and turn it back on again, which is going to reconnect to DHCP. See that at the bottom there? And let's hope that that's all it takes. There we go. Let's go into CMD IP config slash all. Okay, what is my DNS server? It's still Google. See? So okay. my, my computer is still it still knows that. Okay. Uh, IP config slash flush DNS. Let's try now.
1: Now we have a question in the chat room mm-hmm. from Mo Maravilla and he's wondering should you have your uh, like the Google DNS as your second DNS server that way nope. if the pie hole ever goes down?
0: Mm-hmm. No? Okay. Nope. Your, your pie hole already knows to go out to OpenDNS, in our case, or Google if that's what you set. If your pie hole goes down, it's best just have it go down. If you have secondary and tertiary DNS set in your router, then it will just choose your computers, your devices will choose one of those three. Oh, so it's not like a sequential thing. No, oh, okay. no, it's it's going to be just as traffic is flowing. It's going to be grabbing DNS settings from wherever. So one minute something will be blocked, the next minute it will not be blocked. Right. Okay, um, so sense. we want to avoid that scenario altogether. Let's see if I'm able to get. Uh, DNS yet. I'm still not seeing the DNS refresh on here. So for the sake of the show, I'm going to manually configure my DNS. But keep in mind, this is not a requirement because I've right. configured it in my router. My DHCP will start serving that up for me in some time. I don't want to get into how to flush DNS on every system because it's, it can be very complicated. It can be a, a little difficult on some devices. Um, so let's, uh, let's avoid that altogether um so i'm gonna fade to black i'm gonna come back so again i didn't want to show you the process of doing that because that's not one of the steps that we need to do for the sake of the show i wanted to expedite things by pushing things along Uh, marshman in the chat room was mentioning maybe we need to restart our router that's another thing that could kind of expedite things because maybe it's still serving up values from the previous um, dhcp settings right but know that as devices start connecting now because i've removed those Old DNS settings and replaced it with my new DNS settings. Um, it's going to start dishing that up. Okay. The other note, uh, like I use MikroTik at the house and uh, and on much of my uh, many of my networks, MikroTik are great routers. But I actually had to change a setting, uh, which I made note of. In the um, DHCP client settings, you actually have to turn off Use Peer DNS, because it will do just what we were talking about. It will supplement your DNS setting with default options from your ISP. So then it will sometimes block ads and sometimes not block ads. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get a real quick look at our computer here. So I've got My settings are now set. I've manually set it, but you don't necessarily have to do that. We're just expediting things. Let's go back to speedtest.net. And it's done loading. Oh, look. But wait a minute. Where's the ads? Where's the ads? But did you notice how much quicker the web was? Yeah, it was like instant. It just came up. The service still works. Just the ads are gone. That's great. Yeah. Um, So that is fantastic. Fantastic. It yep. does. It does work. I'm, I'm getting well, patient yeah. there. Yeah.
1: Now we have a question in the chat room, and, and I don't know if the, something you know the answer to. It's okay. from uh, U- Ugur Abba. Sorry, was I said that wrong? Um, is it possible to create some groups? For example, some users will see the ads, and others are not. Is that possible with this software?
0: That I don't know the answer to. Okay. Jeff. Um, All right then. Sorry, um, something maybe to get into the pi-hole.net forums into their community and and ask those kinds of things. Um, I haven't dug that deep into it yet. Okay, fair enough. So, all right. You haven't gotten that far into the hole. Yep. Exactly. So, so let's get a look at the interface here. Let's jump back to our pi-hole interface. And we can see already it's block 65. Wow. What? That's quick. We brought up one website. And there was only four so four we spots thought, that it loaded. So we yeah, thought, okay. but what did it actually block? Like, we can actually look at this now. It blocked uh, this, who knows, secureus.imworldwide.com, ZD, double that's Google, uh, Google Analytics, so tracking me, uh, ad services for Google, ad services for Google. Scorecardresearch.com, doubleclick.net, more ads, Google Tag Services, Google Tag Manager. So all these things are being blocked just from that one hit. 65 blocks. Just on speed test. I feel like I should. Just on
1: that one site. I feel like we should be loading, you know, like one of those Facebook. uh, Oh, yeah. You could, like,
0: do the experiment. (laughs) Do Do the the experiment at home. Do the experiment at home and see how it works for you. So that, in its. This is complete. This is done. Mm-hmm. This is now ad blocking for our entire network. Love it. Because every time I go to a website or that website tries to load assets, it's going through my DNS and blocking things before they're downloaded. Mm -hmm. So it's faster. It's saving bandwidth. It's going to make things a lot better. Excellent. So now the next step, as we promised, was how can we now take the pie hole device and use it to protect our family or perhaps our corporate network from um, stuff that's illicit that we don't want them to be accessed. Right. Yep. So we're using the example of pornography. It might be things like illegal downloads. It might be other, you know, whatever else. Now, we've also used Open DNS as our like our actual source for DNS. Mm-hmm. So we could then log into them and change, as I mentioned, things like we can turn off gambling sites. We can turn off right. social media. We can get really down to the nitty gritty. But here with our internal device, we're going to block pornography by simply adding to the available list so if i go into settings you're going to see block lists here and my block lists right now out of the box all have to do with ad blocking okay but let's get one that blocks all well it, it, the block list does nothing it's it's just a list of pornographic websites and then our pie hole is going to look at that list every time anything happens on our web uh, because it's a, our dns server and it's going to block anything that's mm-hmm. on that list So anything that is deemed to be uh, to fall into that category. So I'm going to grab this from GitHub. So I'm going to head on over to github.com slash Chad Mayfield. Oh, I already have it. Uh, I guess I've already been there on my laptop. That's great. Uh, And... There you have it, Chad Mayfield slash my dash, pihole dash, block lists. And the links, as always, will be below. So if you're watching this online, make sure you check the description below, and you'll be able to grab the links directly. So here, we're just going to go into his folder called lists. There are two lists here, Jeff. Okay. Pi block list porn all list. Yep. Pi block list porn top 1 million list. So, top one million, top one million. So, it's not the top one, it's not one million sites, right? What it what he's done is he's taken Alexa results, not Alexa. Sorry, I didn't mean to set off your, your devices. <laughs> oh, not that's not the word I was looking for. Uh, but, what do they call it? One million, one million. It is, yes, it is. Okay, why did they name it that? I have no clue. I know, it came first. So it is, I'm not going to say the word again, but the (laughs) word that just triggered all of your smart home devices, that (laughs) is a ranking system on the internet. It's been around since Alta Vista days, and it is indeed called that. Um, So what he's done is he's compared the list of all known porn websites to the top 1 million websites in the world, and said, okay, well if it 's not on the top one million it 's probably never going to come up in accidental clicking around the right. internet so let 's just go with the one top one million. It might be ten thousand sites, but it 's going to be like the top ones that it will block like it 's the most likely right. you don 't have to block all because that 's probably overkill and it, certainly if you 're doing this on a Raspberry pi that 's going to be a performance hit on your oh. DNS server on an x u four on a rock pro sixty four you're probably not going to feel it, especially if you're using EMMC, but um, I would suggest that you start with the top 1 million list. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the, the best bang for the buck. Now, I don't want to click on this and have a list of bad websites come up on your screen, so I'm just going to click on the first option, and then I'm going to click on RAW. Can I zoom in here? Would that be okay? Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, I can. Uh, so on GitHub... Well, let's just do it. Let's let's zoom way out. It's a sensitive subject, I know. There we go. Oh, can I do that? Oh, but now it's w- all right. Da, da. All right, so I clicked on the list. And now, on the right-hand side, oh, there it is. Okay. I'm going to click on raw. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. Okay, now grab that URL, okay? and then paste it back in here under block lists in settings now save now that has been added yes notice i push save and not save and update i wanted to just show you that it's going to get added that's fine so normally you would hit save and update now in this case i'm going to update it myself so i'm going to go tools update gravity and gravity being the list of block domains so now because right now nothing is being added until i update gravity Mm -hmm. so i click that button and it goes through that list and it creates all of the entries for the DNS server and now if anyone on my network using the Pi-hole as my DNS server tries to access any of those sites that are on that list it will block them. Excellent. It just stops it. It just page not found. Okay. Problem solved. Perfect. Uh, any other things that we could use Pi-hole for? Oh man. You mentioned like games and Yes. Okay. So
1: Is I mean, I don't know, will this do specific times of blocking things, or is this all the time? Like, the reason I ask is, like, we homeschool our oldest, Mm -hmm. and so uh, there's been a lot of his educational programs are online. Yes. So we don't want to block those websites, and we don't Mm want to block his ability to research, but I've wanted to block, especially...
0: I hear where you're going with this. You want to block education during after hours.
1: Uh, no, one to block.
0: <laughs> his gaming sites. Oh, during school, during hours. school hours. Ah, okay. The right. inverse of what I was thinking. But like he uses Kay. a lot of .io websites. Okay. And plays a lot of those games. Timers, no. Okay. However, as you saw here, Jeff, um, in my lists, if I go into block list, I can disable that, save, and update. Okay? okay. So I can actually turn off a list at will. Oh, okay. All right. So create a list. Create a list of sites that you don't want your child going to during certain hours and enable that list okay. at certain times of the day and then save an update and you'll be good to go. Now, if it's just a short couple of sites that you want to be able to do, click on blacklist and let's, let's do it. Let's go, um, what's one, slither.io, oh, yeah, Slither. right? And then we'll add that. So okay. now Slitherio is blocked, apparently. Let's find out if it really is. So I'm going to go into my terminal, command prompt here on Windows, and get close up for you. Now, let's do a DNS lookup, uh, slither.io, and then the I'm just going to put the note 144. That's the IP address of my server. Right. Uh, ns lookup, pardon me, not dns lookup. I'm thinking dns. ns lookup. What does it resolve to? The IP address is 0.0.0.0. It does not Page page not found. If I try to go there in my browser, slither.io, this site can't be reached. What? Okay. What? Excellent. Okay, so, um, so now if I remove that, now let's go back. Oh, uh, sorry, I just hit the delete button next to it. I apologize, I had the wrong screen up. So I had it here. Okay, now, so right now it's as it was. Now I'm going to delete that. Okay. Now go back to my command prompt, and let's run that same command, nslookup, slither.io, and notice it's resolving an IP address now. I'm going to move that up on your screen so you can see. Okay. Okay, so now we're actually getting an IP address. So now if I go there in my browser, it comes up. Okay. See how quick that was? Yes. It's loading, it's loading. Blocked all the ads. <laughs> okay, so you can you can do block lists like that. You can add things to the block list or create your own list, put it on GitHub, and then like link to it, or put it on a local server and and link to it that way. Okay. you can absolutely do those things.
1: Now, will this work for things like? Um uh, like, games that have to access to the Internet. So, for instance, say, like, World of Warcraft. Okay. If you knew where World of Warcraft...
0: You could block the server that it's connecting to, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Unless it uses an IP address. Because, remember, this is DNS. Oh, that's right. Domain name resolution. Which mm. most things on the Internet, on the World Wide Web, use DNS. Right.
1: Okay. All right. So, really, the sky is the limit. Really for is. The most part.
0: Yeah. I mean, get creative with it. Um, Look for lists that are for, you know, the things that you want to be able to do. But really, it comes down to, okay. so we learned a little bit about how to protect our children from illicit things on the Internet, things that, you know, that that just come up by accident sometimes, too. Like uh, um, sometimes we're doing downloads and all of a sudden there's an ad that's really offensive. And and the kids have even brought it to my attention sometimes where there is an ad that's really kind of obscene. It may not be pornography, but it, it's something that is offending to them. Right. And that I really, as a dad, don't want them to have to, eh, I just don't want them to deal with that, right? You yep. know what I'm saying? So, so I'm able to block those things, and, and that's a good thing. And make my internet faster and use less bandwidth. Well, exactly. And reduce the amount of tracking that's happening on me. Now, this won't stop, say, like, uh, built-in ads on,
1: say, like a YouTube feed or something. This is just ads on a web page and yeah, well. stuff. Oh well, wow.
0: yep. it will play the video ads, so we'll yeah, still get. Yeah, that's what I mean. Those, yeah. like you're so you're not. But the ads that are all surrounding it. That. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. But the video ads will play. Oh
0: yeah, this is not a one hundred percent all ads gone forever right. kind of thing. This is this is blocking all the main kind of ads that you see all around the web, you, like we saw in speed test there. Right. Just as a good example.
1: Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Now, and this is just incoming. This isn't outgoing, right? For like, say, for instance, you go to Amazon, and you're looking for. You know flux capacitors. next thing you know, you, all your ads have flux capacitors from Amazon. this only blocks the incoming data, not outgoing ad data
0: no idea what you're talking about If they're on ad if they're on one of the blocked ad servers, it's blocked No I, yes.
1: I I meant like the data you're sending out for the purposes of like specific specific ad targeting this doesn't block that information from going out to the service it just blocks what's coming into you. Yeah, okay, never mind.
0: I think you're overcomplicating DNS.
1: No, I understand that. I just, from the capabilities of the software, I'm just trying to point out it's only incoming. It's not outgoing.
0: This is a DNS server. So every time my computer or any device on my network tries to access suchandsuch.com, so amazonads.com, whatever, it will block it. It doesn't happen. So if any site is tracking me or serving up advertising, and is on one of the lists that I'm subscribed to, it will simply be stopped. Right. There's no transaction there because it never downloads it. Right. It never gets outside of my mm-hmm. network. So Correct. if what you're asking is, when I go to a website, and that ad normally would actually track me just from the request. so Yes. Add something dot com slash Robbie's computer tells it that, hey, I'm actually accessing it from Robbie's computer because it's shared that information during that request. Mm-hmm. Well, the request never happened because it okay. got stopped at the DNS level. So before okay. it ever left my network, it stopped. That's why the Internet seems faster with this. Versus the traditional ad blocker. Yes. The traditional ad blocker will, o- will download the ads, but then won't display them. This right. will not download them, will not even allow that transaction to take place. Okay. Because cool. it happens at the DNS level. Makes sense. I hope that helps. It does, yes. All right. Cool. Check out more at pi-hole.net. And, of course, you can get all the links for everything that we mentioned right there below. Jeff, we're going to head over to the newsroom. Indeed
1: we are. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Billions of records have been breached and you may be part of it, even if you've never heard of the service that was compromised. Efforts to recover millions in crypto cash from the digital wallets of a man who died without revealing passwords to access them have hit a snag. The wallets have been found to be empty. Sorry Amazon, Philadelphia has banned cashless stores. Have a Windows update that is messing up Windows 10? Now it'll automatically remove and block itself to allow Microsoft to fix the problem. These stories are coming right up, don't go anywhere. This is
0: the Category 5.TV newsroom. Covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yama. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No, am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting! You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website?
1: I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Billions of records have been breached, and you may be part of it, even if you've never heard of the service that was compromised. Have I Been Pawned informed us that 763,117,241 people have had their records leaked by a company called Verifications.io. Andrew Martin, CEO and founder of cybersecurity company Dynarisk, has since revealed the true number of leaked records is much higher, exceeding 2 billion records. An unprotected MongoDB database was discovered by security researcher Bob Deschenko. Having cross-referenced the data sitting there in plain text with the Have I Been Pawned site, Dushenko was able to conclude this was fresh to the market, new information, and not just a dump of previously breached data, as has been seen with the recent Collection 1 leak. After doing some more investigative work, Dushenko was able to track the database back to the Verifications.io Enterprise Email Validation Service. You're not alone if you've never heard of Verifications.io, but you may still be a victim. This company validates bulk email lists for companies wanting to remove inactive addresses from newsletter mailouts. Deschenko says that although not all records contained the detailed profile information about the email owner, a large amount of records were very detailed. That detail included commonplace breach data such as email addresses and phone numbers, but went far beyond the basics as well. Information such as dates of birth, mortgages. Uh, mortgage amounts, and interest rates, and social media accounts related to the emails in question. But it doesn't stop there. You can also throw in basic credit scoring data, company names, and revenue figures as well. Apply the basics of good cybersecurity hygiene, which means being alert to phishing risk, applying more skepticism than usual to unexpected emails, text messages, social media communication, and even snail mail that wants you to check a link open open an attachment, and so on. If threat factors have got hold of this data, then it provides all the ammunition they require in order to appear like a trustworthy organization in their communications.
0: Yeah, this sure. nuts. I mean, if they know your name, your address, your email address, where you do your banking because they have your mortgage yeah. info, then they can appear as the bank. Yes. They yeah. can call you up and say, you know, hey, this is, this is Robbie calling from Royal Bank. And uh, you know we've we've uh, we've got a problem with your payment this month. That's what, right. Whatever yeah. it could be, right? Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, phishing scams play into into it, but it can be so convincing. Oh, for
1: sure. It's uh, it's you know, recently my wife was um, subject to theft with her debit card transactions, really? all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so thankfully, she found out when she went to use her debit. Is
0: it a now? Can I ask? Is it a Visa debit? Is that how it took place? Because mm. that. You know what? I think it was. Okay. I think it was a Visa debit. I was wondering if that opens up a whole new realm of being able to compromise a debit card. Because before, it was pretty difficult.
1: It was a Visa debit, and all of the transactions were under $100, but they wiped out the account. Now, thankfully, we've been able to overturn it. But I mean, with a breach like this, I'm going, did they get the information from that? Yeah. What other information is on there? And so now, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm one of the billions of people on Earth. Maybe my information is in there.
0: Yeah. Think about that for a second. Thinking of Visa debit. So this is a debit card that has the Visa logo on it. Mm-hmm. You think that's a great convenience feature? My Visa has a per transaction limit, yep, and it has an actual cap on my credit. Right. So you can't exceed it, and if you tried, it would just negate the transaction and say declined. Right. My debit card, on the other hand, which now carries a Visa logo, is not. can be used as a Visa, but it can empty my account. That's right. Until I hit $0 in my account. Maybe I also have overdraft. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will bump me to minus $1,000 in my account. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking and going, what? Yeah. Where'd all the money go? Right. Where'd all my my millions of bitcoins go? (laughs) Uh, So when you think about that, so if I'm shopping online and I think, oh, wow, this is convenient. Here's an idea. I can use my Visa debit to make a transaction online because then I don't need to use my credit card. Right. It seems convenient, but now if their database becomes compromised or um, something, um, uh, not directly related to the story, but re- you know, your wife's it's, it's story makes me think about. Yeah, it's uh, this information could be used to compromise your accounts and everything else. Right. Well,
1: and the fact that it had mortgage information, I'm going. Mm-hmm. Okay, was it banks' websites that were compromised, or is this collected from some sort of information? No, they weren't compromised. Jeff. No, but the data obviously came from somewhere
0: the data came from the banks who um who put in your contact information to be weeded out from uh from databases to make sure that they're legit right fair enough but why is why would the mortgage information be on there who knows equifax has that information yeah that's and true. do we trust equifax yeah
1: most
0: no, people do. no, Most people please don't. don't. <laughs> well, we have no choice. Well, exactly. And something like Verification I.O., we have no choice. Yeah. Our data is shared with them by the companies that we do trust. Yeah. And so if I've trusted to the Canadian government my personal contact information, which I presumably have because yep. I have no choice, and then Equifax, who they give all that information to, screws up. And I actually I had a tax bill. The queen put me through collections. This was like okay, f- maybe tw- fifteen years ago. put me through to collections for millions of dollars. Wow, millions of dollars jeff millions I've never seen millions of dollars i've never gone into debt for millions of dollars. but like th- that information if, if if you're not on top of it, and all of a sudden you're t- you're toast. But this is information nice. that I have no control over. Yeah. Because it's the government or your bank or whoever, you know, everybody's got a bank if you've got a mortgage. It's scary.
1: Yeah. You know, I I will say, as, as I said, you know, use more, I'm reading, you know, use more, like, awareness. I'm like... That's it. I, I feel
0: kind of validated that I'm such a skeptic. It's like... <laughs> be a skeptic in this case. And and you mentioned in the news story like so I'm saying like there's no hope. There's yeah. no hope. You can't control it. You can't stop it even if you want to stop it and say no, I'm not giving you my email address. They can already get it other exactly. other means. Exactly. So if there's no hope to stop it, what do we do? We've got to be smart when those phone calls or letters or emails come in and recognize the signs yep. that hey, this is not legit. If I get something from my bank i don't phone the number on that something no you, <laughs> i never i walk into my bank and i talk to the bank manager or the teller and i say hey can you look at my account this says that i'm overdrawn five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and they're gonna look at it and they're gonna no you're not you've got 10 billion bitcoin right right so that's the way to do it is can to I
1: borrow a bitcoin
0: If only, if only, Jeff.
1: (laughs) All right. Efforts to recover millions in crypto cash from the digital wallets of a man who died without revealing passwords to access them have hit a snag. The wallets have been found to be empty. The discovery was made by a firm appointed to oversee Quadriga CX after the death of founder Gerald Cotton. It's It's expected to find the wallets full of. $180 million Canadian, that's about $137 million US or 105 million pounds, in crypto cash deposited by the coin exchange's customers. Mr. Cotton, who died in India in December, had sole responsibility for handling the funds and coin passing through the site. The master key to unlock the wallets was held on Mr. Cotton's laptop, but he died without letting anyone else know the passphrase to unlock the device. Most of the digital cash that customers had deposited with the exchange was supposed to be kept in cold storage to prevent it from being hacked or stolen. The cash represented the virtual currency holdings of 115,000 Quadriga CX customers. Mr. Cotton's death forced the closure of Quadriga CX and auditor Ernest & Young was appointed to wind it up. Its investigation has secured access to Mr. Cotton's laptop, but also revealed that the digital wallets had been cleaned out months before he died. In a report on its discovery, Ernest and Young investigators said they did not know what had happened to the bitcoins that they had expected to find in storage. However, the company said it found evidence that Mr. Cotton had 14 other user accounts created outside the normal process that may have been used to trade on QuadrigaCX Exchange. Ernest & Young is now trying to gather information about the trading done via those other accounts to see if it can somehow trace much of the crypto cash passed through them. A reward of $100,000 has been offered for information about where the exchange's cash
0: has gone. That's nuts! That has I can't imagine the stress of the staff that are involved in that. Oh, for sure. Bitcoin, but, though. It's the fact, though, that he had this one exchange, but then there's
1: 14 other accounts
0: within like, his own exchange, <laughs>
1: right? So is this a case of bit like digital cryptocurrency laundering? Is it just bad practice? Was he trying to, you know, skew the market somehow?
0: Like, I think Jeff probably good practice, and just didn't expect to die, and so okay. the coin are somewhere. Crypto coin, right. cryptocurrency are not physical coins, these are digital transactions. They could have told that those accounts were empty. Obviously they knew the Bitcoin addresses. They could have told that just by looking at the blockchain. You can see right. the balance of yeah, you uh, can see the wallet. transactions through it. You can you just can't track where it went and how it how it transacted as far as the people involved goes. Right. But if you know the wallet address, you can see how much money is in there and you can see what what is transacted on that wallet. But it's good practice for anyone who knows cryptocurrency to to have offline wallets, cold storage, places that cannot be traced because they've never been connected to anything. Mm-hmm. So when I receive crypto cash or crypto currency, um, it's pretty much immediately transferred to an offline wallet that nobody has access to. Right. And if I died, what would happen to that? It's a good question. And he probably just never asked himself that question. Yeah, because he was young. Yeah, yeah. Younger than me. That's crazy. Um, so maybe it's just that. So maybe it'll be found on a piece of paper somewhere. He has to have it somewhere. But if if he's smart, anyone who's living would have their cryptocurrency so secure that it could never be recovered. Mm-hmm. So, what if this is going to be like a lawsuit situation? So I should back up to the last story where I joked that I had billions of crypto coins. <laughs> I don't, so don't come killing me. That's right. And if you do keep me alive, because I'm the only one who has access to the wallets and I can show you that they're practically empty, yeah. but <laughs> That's right. just a bad scenario. Yeah. Right?
1: Like, I feel like that story just every day something new comes out. It's like, oh, it went from bad to worse to absolutely yeah. horrific. It's like, how low can this one go? It's yeah. just like, ugh.
0: well, and there are real people with real money involved in this that yeah. have lost out on their money. Yep. And you think cryptocurrency is not really money, Robbie. Well, where did that cryptocurrency come from? They're probably not miners. These are investors. That's right. These are folks who have bought into what? An exchange. Mm -hmm. And that exchange costs them money.
1: Scary. Yeah. Scary, scary.
0: All right. Sorry,
1: Amazon. Philadelphia has banned cashless stores. Last week, Philadelphia's mayor signed a bill that would ban cashless retail stores. The move makes Philadelphia the first major city to require the brick-and-mortar retail stores accept cash. Besides Philadelphia, the state of Massachusetts has required that retailers accept cash since 1978. The law takes effect July 1st and will not apply to stores like Costco that require a membership, nor will it apply to parking garages or lots, or to hotels or rental car companies that require a credit or debit card as security for future change charges. Retailers caught refusing cash can be fined up to $2,000. Amazon, whose new Amazon Go stores are cashless and queueless, reportedly pushed back against the new law, asking for an exemption. Philadelphia lawmakers said that Amazon could work around the law under the exemption for stores that require a membership to shop there, but Amazon told the city that a Prime membership is not required to shop at Amazon Go stores, so its options are limited. A top official in Philadelphia's Chamber of Commerce said that the ban will prevent Philadelphia from modernizing with the rest of the country. Cashless companies argue that cash slows down transactions when change needs to be counted and creates security risk for employees locking up at the end of the night. Supporters of the new law, however, say that not accepting cash hurts poor residents who may not be able to afford or qualify for a credit card or who want to avoid fees that come with changing cash into a prepaid debit card. Additionally, privacy advocates say that being forced to use a digital form of payment to buy things is a de facto requirement to share records of their purchases with third-party companies. A New York City councilman is pushing a similar measure, and New Jersey's legislature has also passed a bill to require storefronts to accept cash, though the governor of the state has not signed the bill yet. This is an interesting Turn in events, because mm-hmm. for so long, I feel like retail has been moving away from cash. Right, and regulations and are
0: saying they can't?
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, it, being able to accept cash is different than saying, you know, we won't accept cash. Because, I mean, I I would think that Amazon could, in their stores, put in some sort of a machine that allows you to drop cash in.
0: That's just stupid.
1: Well, sure it is. That's just stupid. But it's how they can get around it. But if nobody's going to use it, then at least it gets them
0: by that rule. Think about the cost for... It's Amazon. They're rich as anything, but but, so who cares about the cost, right? But really, so now a rule, a law has to make them accept cash. So now they they do have that problem. Now, okay, well, where does the cash go? Well, it's got to be collected and it's got to be counted and it's got... so, that's neither here nor there. So, that's, so, it's a perfect opportunity for Amazon to say, well, you have to have a Prime membership. So, it wasn't us that made that decision. It was the regulators. Right. Right? So, now the, the buck has passed, and you have to have a Prime membership in order to shop at that's Amazon awesome. Go. That is an option, and that's what I could see happening if the regulations stick, because that's the best option. And it gives them a way to just say, well, it wasn't us. Right. We didn't make this rule, but we have to enforce it. It's the law. So you have to pay your ten dollars a month to to be a prime member.
1: I wonder. And again, I haven't seen the law, so I don't know how it's written. Mm -hmm. But I know, like with banks, you can walk walk in, and they'll have a machine that you just dump all your coins in, and automatically filters. Yeah, you see that at grocery
0: stores and stuff. Yeah. But
1: I'm wondering if if Amazon puts something like that in one of their stores that then loads that cash equivalent on a card mm. so then you could say look i i that's brought a in smart cash idea. yeah it loads onto an amazon card that you can then use for mm. purchases it's like a, a gift store. card
0: it spews that it preloads the gift card with, yeah yeah i
1: wonder if that would get them that's right. interesting because then they still don't need anybody and it's just yeah. a machine that does the work for them and sure
0: you
1: know, you know what you, uh, the... you know what
0: i like about your idea jeff is that okay so the regulators and, and critics are saying well what about the poor right right well i can take a a couple pockets full of change, and drop it on here, and it'll load up an Amazon cash card. That's smart. So now yeah. I now I can shop with my card, and yeah. I, I use cash. But there's no, you can't because it's you're not paying by cash.
1: So I, I, I think you could get around that. Saying yes, you are paying by cash. Wouldn't you're that be a great? To load the credit.
0: That'd be a great option. But yeah. um, I think too that okay. So if if it's the fees of converting cash into prepaid debit that are Hindering for the poor. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the government say, okay, well that's a problem. Let's address that issue.
1: Because big banks own the government.
0: But I have, so I I have twenty bucks. Here's my twenty bucks. I want a card. Mm-hmm. Okay, well now your twenty bucks is only sixteen bucks. Yes. Yeah, what? Crazy. That's crazy. No, give me my twenty bucks on this card. Especially if I'm reloading it. Hey, first time, sure. Charge me two bucks. Right. Pay for the plastic and keep me from throwing it in the garbage because hey, it's bad for the environment. Charge me two bucks the first time, but every time I reload it, just reload it for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't charge me fees for it. That's the regulation that needs to change. It's interesting. Yeah.
1: Very interesting.
0: You heard it here. It's very interesting. If you had any doubts. (laughs) <laughs> right. Just play it back. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, have a Windows update that is messing up your Windows 10? Now it automatically will remove and block itself to allow Microsoft to fix the problem. Wow. Windows 10 is not exactly the definition of simplicity. Patch Tuesday always seems to introduce new problems, the latest being a crippled game performance, and the underlying behavior of the Windows 10 update process will melt your brain. The latest development in the saga isn't actually the introduction of troublesome updates. though. This time around, Microsoft is removing them automatically and without any user input. In a Microsoft support page discussion, a user asked, why were recently installed updates removed? And here's Microsoft's official response. To ensure that your device can start up and continue running as expected, Windows will also prevent problematic updates from installing automatically for the next 30 days. This will give Microsoft and our partners the opportunity to investigate the failure and fix any issues. After 30 days, Windows will again try to install the updates. Right now, this process of auto-removing problematic updates appears to focus on startup trouble, and Microsoft says it will only execute this measure once all other repairs have been attempted. What's certain is that Microsoft will not only delete the updates it determines are preventing normal OS operation, it will also block them from being installed for the next 30 days. Microsoft says this will give ample time for it and its partners to investigate the failure and fix any issues. Isn't that neat? I like this. But at the same time, I go, why? Why put out an update? That's a problem. Sure. Uh,
0: (laughs) As the developer of an operating system, NEMS Linux, um, I can understand how it can be very, very challenging as a developer. Now, they're huge. I'm small. But as a developer, to account for every potential problem. Everybody who has built their own PC, everybody who's using a computer that has three burnt-out capacitors next to the CPU, how can I account for those issues? It's really, really tough.
1: And, And that's fair. Yeah. But I feel like, and again, personal opinion, that Microsoft continually puts out updates that, quite frankly, are flawed. Sure. Like, how many people do system updates on their Macs or their Linux machines,
0: and everything works well? Usually, Right. More often Why than is Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft keeps screwing it up. But here's what's different, Jeff. On my Linux machine, yep. I'm told when there's an update. And I, oh, great, there's an update. I'll just wait. Right. Okay, well, I'm, it's Saturday night. I'm going to be watching a show. Let's run that update. Right. Microsoft, just, it's update time. Reboot.
1: See, and I think that's part of the issue. Mm. Microsoft should not force an update until, say, 30 days later. That way allows people who want to just, update... Just stop
0: forcing. Well, there's that too. But again, it comes down to control. But with that control, they're making a lot of big mistakes, Jeff. Yeah, and they're... and when they make those mistakes, everybody feels it and we lose some confidence in the company. Yeah. But I can understand where they're coming from. They want to make an appliance-like operating system. It just keeps itself up to date. Everybody who runs Windows 10 always has the latest and greatest. Well, that sounds great in... Theory, but in practice it's like stop stripping away my rights as a user and and allow me to make the decision to update. If an update if, if an update is going to screw up my computer, let me stop it. Exactly. Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. And I wonder what happens if the update
1: itself negates the ability to uninstall the update. Like what would happen in
0: that, that situation? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you only—it's like this will self-destruct, and you only have 10 seconds to remove this update. Right. Yeah, um, Jeff, we talked a little bit about cryptocurrency tonight. Yes. Um, let's jump into uh, what CoinGecko says about crypto this week. Um, this is uh, as of 1800 hours Eastern Time on Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. We're going to call this uh, fairly, fairly level. Like the calm before the storm week. If we were to name it anything, everything is pretty much just where it was about a week ago. Bitcoin itself, I mean, it gained $6.81 US, but its value is $3,867.39. So what's six bucks? It's pretty much just where it was a week ago. Similarly, Litecoin only gained eight cents. Right. I mean, so, and its value is $55.13. Ethereum is at $131.66, losing $5.23 versus last week. Monero is at uh, $49.61. Again, very, very minor gain, gain of $0.41 cents US dollars um, in uh, crypto coin, per crypto coin. The little guys. Stellite and TurtleCoin. Stellite is at 1.54 ten thousandths of a cent, gaining a whopping 0.04 ten thousandths of a cent. Look at a hair under a microscope. Slice it down the middle. <laughs> then slice it again and again and again, and that's how, that's much, how it, much That's how much we gained. TurtleCoin gained 0.01 ten thousandths of a cent. Sorry, my friend. I know. I'm waiting for TurtleCoin to just become worth $1000 per TurtleCoin. I mean, we've got a ways to go at 0.78 ten thousandths of a cent, even if it's Turtle, never happening. Even if TurtleCoin was a baka coin, a penny, I would be If a it was happy 1 penny, camper. Jeff, if it was 1 penny, I'd be happy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That would be great. Yep. Yeah. Just imagine <laughs> All of the nerds that would rejoice. (laughs) That's right. It's very easy to mine... The smaller coins. Oh, I love... Turtle coin, you can get tens of thousands of them in a week. Yes. (laughs) It's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) All right, big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV Newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website from Category 5.TV Newsroom. Filling in for Sasha Rickman, I'm Jeff Weston.
0: And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Good times. We've got to take a really quick break. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, You'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. Whistler Black gold. I'm here with Colleen and we're
1: on the ski lift up to the top of Whistler. Um, so I've spent an hour so far. I'm still not super great, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> Hope you're having a good time too. Bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you to everybody who has pitched in this week Uh, with regards to our server upgrade need. uh, We need to replace our broadcast system. We've ordered a couple of the parts. We've got some here in the studio that are ready to go. We still need more. So if you're able to pitch in, please visit donate.category5.tv. Also, thank you to our patrons, those Mm -hmm. who choose to support us on a regular recurring basis. Um, It's as little as a dollar a month. It's a great way to support free family-safe content and uh, all the great things that come forth from Category 5 TV. We appreciate you for taking that on. You can find out more at patreon.com slash category5. Jeff, in my pocket is my Data Traveler 2000. Ah, oh, mine's in my coat. It's in your coat? Yeah, because it's with my keys. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Of course. These things are great. Like, I, do. I love it. So do you find, like, you carry it everywhere. And I, I have a new confidence in this yes. because it's encrypted. Yes. It's safe. And I... I <laughs> I brought it to
1: work and I, I showed my supervisor, I'm like, hey, check this out. Mm-hmm. Because we deal in legal contracts and stuff oh, all yeah. the time. And I'm like, wouldn't this be amazing for all of our staff? And she's like, oh, yeah. Okay, seriously, how much are those? We got to get them. And then I told her, like, I don't think that I have the budget
0: for that. Oh, you she know? doesn't have the budget for it? No, mm, no. Some of you have the budget for it. So please go buy one at cat5.tv slash DT2000. They're amazing. If you don't, or if you just want one for free, Make sure you send us a ballot. <gasps> because we still have more to give away. So exciting. So all you have to do is email contest at category5.tv. What do they need to send us? Name? Country?
1: Favorite, so we Just so we know where we're going to be sending it.
0: Um, favorite food? Yeah. yeah, sure. Favorite food. Just make sure in the subject line you say... Kingston giveaway and you're emailing to contest at category 5tv and you could win a data traveler 2000. Just to reiterate, if you don't know, this is a USB flash drive that you decrypt using a keypad. It's encrypted. So you cannot open the files or access it in any way unless you know the key that you set. That's right. Right. That's
1: a great device.
0: Fantastic device. 64 gigabytes is uh, what we're sending you. Um, So make sure you cast your ballot and get in on that. Show's over. Thank you so much. And uh, make sure you join us on Twitter. We are at Category5TV. Or you can personally follow me at Robbie Ferguson. Are you on Twitter? Uh, He's uh, like, oh, I, I don't know. I have an account. I, yeah. don't, I don't remember the last. We time really got to get it. you guys open, uh, like, into social media here. Yeah. But I am active at yeah. Robbie Ferguson. So if you're on Twitter, please follow me. Say hi, and I will say hi back. We're also on YouTube, of course, Category Five TV. Or if you prefer to watch edited down versions of the show, so mm-hmm. these are just the little snippets that we do. Uh, you can check out Linux Tech Show. And we have a hot link at linuxtechshow.com that'll take you right to our YouTube channel. We're also on Roku's channel store. We are on Plex or Kodi. You can get the channel um, plugins from our GitHub github.com slash cat5tv. We're basically everywhere, is what I'm saying. Of course, we bring it all together on our website to make it easier for you to find everything. It's category5.tv. So that's the main one you got to memorize. And uh, until next week, we will uh, hope that you have a great week. We'll see you then. Episode 600. Episode 600 next week. I can't believe it. What? Yeah, hope to see you here. See you, everybody.